introduction necessary. Brother Justin will be coming up and preaching for us. So anxious to hear what he's got for a message. If you could, give us a little snippet of what happened for you uh, during the summer while you're at Harvest Baptist in Pennsylvania. Amen? Come on up. Well, one of the highlights of my summer was that I got engaged. So, so that's great. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, I went and I interned over at uh, Harvest Baptist with Pastor Mark Likens. And uh, just a great church there. Um, I really I love the staff, and I love the uh, people there. It's really good spirit, and the staff, like, I've never, like, I never worked in church staff before, but what I could immediately notice was just that all the staff members, they enjoyed being with each other, and, you know, I really enjoyed being with them. And it's, like, it's such a, like, welcoming, kind of, like, everyone, like, just loves each other. And, like, you know, there's a couple of younger guys, you know, like, 20s or 30s that, you know, we did pranks each other in the office, but... No, that was good, but um, so yeah, I did a lot in terms of the uh, kids ministry. I did a lot. I, I helped out a lot with that. I was able to do a lot for their VBS, which was uh, which was really cool. Just got to learn how to organize stuff and uh, everything like that. It kind of forced me to make myself organized. So I'm looking forward to applying that over uh, this next year of college. See how that works out for me. Well, with that. Um, and also, I do apologize. My printer wasn't working before I got here, so I'm reading this off my phone. So if you see me going like, you know, that, that's why. Um, here, let me use, where am I starting? Here we go. So in the world, uh, many wonderful creations of God are unfortunately perverted and twisted by, by the world itself. And, you know, there could be many things that come to mind, but... One that usually comes to mind a lot is uh, the word love. And you think to yourself, like, you know, what, what exactly does love mean? You know, the world has their own definition. Basically, it's distorted into Greece, love, and pride. Oh, I love only to do what I want to do. No one else can tell me what to do. I just can't live without having these certain things in my life. I love them too much. Oh, I love that person, even though I know that it won't be a healthy relationship or that I'm really not supposed to have that kind of relationship. The world has turned love into a selfish desire of getting and taking in hopes of being satisfied. It can be easy for us to look at the world and not observe ourselves. But Justin, I've been saved and going to church for a while now, and I even, and I, and even, I am selfish at times, like everyone is. I know um, I've been saved and going to church for a while, and even I am selfish at times, like everyone is, I know that's not what love is. How does that pertain to me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yes, love is not a selfish taking. But what is it then? Are you influenced by it and giving it to others? Tonight, I have three laws of love that can help us clarify what love is and how this affects us. And before I get to my uh, first point into my message, let's open with another word of prayer. Dear Lord, graciously, Father, I uh, just thank you for the opportunity to deliver this message. I just pray you'd work in my speech, work in my thoughts, uh, just preach um, to everyone here what you want to be preached, Lord. And just only, um, really only deliver what is truly from your word, Lord. And I just pray you just rest that upon me and just uh, deliver clear, clearly and effectively so these people can easily apply it to their lives. Lord, I love you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. So, per introduction to my message, uh, 
can we all turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Maybe you guys are familiar with this chapter. It talks a lot about charity, which is another word uh, used in the Bible for love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So when we're talking about this, you know, this word love, and I'm sure all of you love your spouses, right? Love your wife, love your husband, love your family. Who has done all of these things to their wife or husband today? Has anyone done all of these? Yeah, let me read them again. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I can say to myself, I don't think I've satisfied much of all these criteria to anybody today. And if looking at myself, I don't think I can really satisfy all these criteria for charity. And like none and even more, not even, you know, satisfy all of it. And would you be able to honestly promise to satisfy all these criteria to your spouse? Think about that for a second. You know, all, all these things, you know, suffereth long, that's, you know, that's a big one. Uh, is not puffed up. Seeketh not her own. Thinketh no evil. Those are some pretty intense, you know, man, you know, I, I, like, that's, if that's what charity is, then now I don't even think I'm really up to that. And this isn't, I wouldn't look at this as a definition of charity. I would see this as fruit and evidence of charity. If you have charity, you're going to uh, express these things. And see, looking at all this, if you were to be able to do all of these, I believe that this would be an incredible example of absolute, extreme, unconditional love. Now, we think of unconditional love. And we think, well, you know, I love, I love my wife or I love my husband unconditionally, but how much does it take for you to start being impatient with that person? How long does it take for you to lose control of what you're saying? You know, how long, how, what does it take to, for you not to really say the nicest thing to that person, even to your children, even to your best friends? And so doesn't that, eat, doesn't that qualify as some kind of condition where maybe you overall you do love that person, but sometimes you fall short of that? So that, I introduced that with that first because I didn't want to introduce this point. You'd be like, what? That's not true. My first point is, first law of love, love is unachievable. We cannot love in our own power, but it's only possible with him. Now, we have, uh, we have all these looks of love. And what I'm talking about, the love today, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that there is, you, know, you, you absolutely love you know, a lot of people. I'm talking about God's love right now. Uh, if we can turn to 1 John chapter 4. 
And we're going to start off with uh, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God uh, knoweth not God, for God is love. And we see this, we see a uh, little contrast, well, not a contrast, we see two, we see it addressed in two, point, two ways here. If the person, if the person shows love, then he's of God. But if the person doesn't show love, he's not of God. So that's like a very affirmative statement, like almost as if your love really equals your relationship with the Lord. Continuing on, and this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might, have, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, propitiation of our sins. And this, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, I believe is an absolute incredible example of unconditional love. Absolutely no condition. And I, I, love, I love this set of verses here, Romans 5, 6 through 7. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you think of this, and I'm not going to pretend I know what it's like to have a child or what it's like to have a wife, but God and I believe a good illustration that God had, great use for the illustration of Jesus Christ being God's son, is that his love for a son was greater, well, wasn't as good as God's love for us. And not to say that, you know, God, uh, that God didn't love Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm absolutely sure um, God loved Jesus Christ. And think about the trilogy, okay. Uh, or Trinity, yeah, I can't put that together. But, um, you know, God's love is a greater love than we can lo even love our own children. A greater love than we can love other people. Because God showed us that. That while we were a repulsive, a, a just sinners, and if you, like, if, if you really, like, grasp the like the context and the grasp, the uh, idea of us being sinners, you know, we, we are disobedient to God. And we do things that God doesn't want. And God is an absolutely holy and infinitely powerful God. And we're just so small compared to that. And we're just, we're gross. We're gross compared to God. And yet he was willing to, not only he gave his son, but he gave himself at the same time by Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That's unconditional. And that's what I see here by unconditional. See, we, we, love, we love our husbands, we love our wives, we love our children, but we don't actually like act on the love all the time. But yet, Jesus died on the cross for us. He did that incredible act. And I love, and I love this thought too. This is incredible. I don't know if I said this one to you guys before, but 
you know, we deserved the absolute worst, which is hell, eternal lake of fire. And God gave us the very best thing, gave us the opportunity to have the very best thing we could ever have, heaven. And yet, even, if, even when he's given us everything, when we deserve nothing, he still ministers to us here on earth. A lot of us can think, oh, well, I know I've done enough for this person. You know, I'm, I think he's good now. That's not enough for God. God's love is so much more incredible than that, that he, he still, like, he, literally, like, God could just leave us here in the earth, and we'd be more than grateful for what he's done. Really, we really would, because he's given us the opportunity for heaven. But that's not what it's about. It's about God's love for us, absolutely and incredibly unconditional, more than we could ever love anybody. I wish I did have my papers. That's all right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, continue on with this first John passage. Um, let's see where I'm at. Uh, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So John here, John's writing, and he's using like sort of like a logical sequence. Uh, he's putting two log- like a few logic, logical ideas together. So we know love is obtained by knowing God. We, he's, he's established that before. But no man has ever seen God. Therefore, if, if there is evidence of love in us, God has to be dwelling in us. And his love is being completed in us. Now, this, now, the love being perfected in us is where we get to, um, this first John passage is mostly uh, used for, like, he, John wrote it to confirm with the people he's writing to that they're saved. Like, these, this is evidence that you're, that you're saved, got all these. How, this, we can, how we can apply this to ourselves, however, is the love is perfected in us. See, God gives us this love, but a lot of times we like to just push it away. We don't really get it. It's made complete when we accept that love. So when the more we take in God's love, the more we learn about God, the more we know God and just develop that relationship with him, the more our love for God and other people increase because we, just, we develop that relationship with him. And this is an unconditional love. We, develop, we really do develop this unconditional love for other people. But we never get it completely because, you know, we don't know all of God and we don't have, you know, we don't, we're not in a 100%, you know, pure relationship with God until we join him up in heaven. And I'm looking forward to that day. Um, if you're, you know, if you were with my, uh, uh, with me in my last message I did earlier this summer, I did from, uh, I preached on Psalm 37. I'll just give a brief summary. And this is, uh, I'm using this to just really show you how to really develop your relationship with the Lord. First, you have to have, well, overall, you have to have a faith and trust in God. Firstly, you have to let God work in your mind. So you have to trust what he says and practice it. In the Psalm 37, verse 3, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Right there, trust what God, what he's telling you and practice it. Then it then goes on, let God work in your heart. With any circumstance God gives you, Thank him for it and depend on him to get, uh, to get you through it. So you let God work in your mind. Let God teach you. Then 
if, when, once you get the right perspective, because when you let God change your mind, your perspective changes. Then God is able to use your circumstances to influence you because you have that lens that you see the world through. You see it in the way that God, more like God would. You take those circumstances and you depend on God to get you through them and thank them for it, whether it's good or bad. And then let God work in your actions. So as you develop this relationship with the Lord, your desires are going to start matching his, just like you would have a relationship with anybody. And you use those desires that God's given you to pursue them and go out and do them. And this promise, his promise says it's in uh, verse 5, and he'll bring it to pass uh, when you uh, commit to it and trust in him. So that's the first, so that was the first law of love. Second is love is the ultimate law. In Matthew uh, 22, 37, verse 40, here, I'll read this carefully for you. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. So we see here, loving God with everything you have, and loving your neighbor as yourself, on these hang all the law and prophets. Everything we know about the law hangs on this love. And I see this in the love being the ultimate law in two ways. And as we go through these, you're going to see that these kind of overlap a little bit, but I like to see in just two perspectives so you get the best visual of it. First of all, love is the goal. Love should be what we are pursuing. We want a stronger love for others and a stronger love for God. In John 15, verses 9 through 10, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, God doesn't just give us rules to, you know, like, hey, just follow these because I want you to. These laws, and he's designed the world for us to follow him, but then when we sinned, that has separated our relationship with the Lord when we disobey him. And so all these sins, you can connect it all to a disconnect, uh, taking yourself away from a relationship from the Lord. And if you, follow, if you follow God's commandments, it's a guide to your life, not only to live a happy life, but to also grow in your relationship with the Lord. Because your life is designed to worship the Lord and be for the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord. So living a happy life, a truly happy life, is going to be a life that worships the Lord and honors him, and vice versa. A life that worships and honors the Lord is going to be a happy life. And I'm going to go, uh, that's a point I'm going to later. Having a goal itself is the only way to grow in the Lord. See, I had the opportunity to uh, work at the estate over at, um, with the Waddell family. And uh, they, you know, it's like a, they use it for wedding venues and like bed and breakfast, stuff like that. And so I was just, I was trying to help, I was trying to help out, figure out what to do. And like, I went to one of the workers and it's like, oh, hey, is there anything I can do? He's like, uh, yeah, here, take this lawnmower and uh, just mow, just mow the lawn. I was like, okay, I like, I've lawned the mow, I've lawned, I've mowed the lawn before. Sorry about that. I've, I've mowed the lawn before, you know, I can, I can do this. And so, you know, I started doing it. My, see, this is the most efficient method to mow a lawn, okay? Start, I don't know if any of you guys mowed a lawn before, but you're going to laugh if I, if you've ever done this before, you're going to laugh if I, as I start explaining this. So, I go, I start in the perimeter, and I just go around, 
Then I just spiral inward. And then I just keep going until I'm done. And it's great. See, it's, it's just, it's the most efficient, you know, because you're never, you're never really, you know, doing any turns, whatever. You're just continually mowing the grass. I thought, you know, hey, that's perfect. You know, so then I mowed, I mowed it. I was going along, you know, doing whatever, you know, you know walking along, whatever. And then, then Aaron, Aaron Waddell comes up to me. He's like, Justin, did you mow the lawn? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Justin, come here. I was like, all right, all right. we go to the lawn. And I'm like, Justin, the lawn has to be cut in straight lines. And see, when I cut in a spiral, I just have the, all these like weird turns. Whenever I'd go around a tree, I'd just kind of circle it around a few times. Then, so you got all these weird lines everywhere. It didn't look nice at all. So he was like, Justin, this is how you do it. So you go, you pick a side. You go, you look forward, you look for something that's just still stagnant and whatever. And you just mow towards that. And just keep going until you hit the edge of the lawn. And then you go turn around and just go along the other side and just keep going back and forth. I was like, all right, cool. I'll try it out. And I thought I did a pretty good job. No, not bad. <laughs> but the way, what I'm using an illustration for is that when I did it before, I didn't really have much of a goal. It's kind of just go along the border of what I cut until I'm done. But the way you make a straight line is you find a fixed point and you focus on that fixed point. And see, if our, if our goal is to grow stronger in the Lord, we're not going to be distracted with other things that kind of come in our way. You know, like things like, you know, being judgmental about other people or things like, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm better than, you know, so-and-so or like stuff like, hey, you know, what if I just, you know, take something that's not mine? If our goal is to develop our relationship with the Lord, then when we go to encounter decisions, we have a choice like, oh, which one would I, which one am I supposed to do? Like, where, where am I supposed to really settle these? It's whatever really increases and really satisfies your relationship with the Lord. And when you have that focus, you know, when I, whenever I go through the lawn, I'll encounter a bump or whatever, something like that. But if I'm staying focused, then I'll just go right back in and I'll just keep going. And that's the same way that our goal of love, uh, goal of love, like loving God and loving others does for us. And like a lot of times, if we don't really have a goal, we just dash after what's right in front of us. And before we know it, we have all these zigzag lines all over the place. So this goal of love, love does not shun, but it seeks to fix when something is wrong. For example, if you're looking to help a brother and sister in Christ, it's not to put that person down, but it's to fix that person. So applying that, you know, consider their feelings and work alongside them. But if your goal isn't to love the person or if your goal isn't to love Christ, then you're going to tend to have deal in a fleshly way. You're going to like just look at this hard points and say, oh, well, you need to fix this. You need to fix this. And, you know, that's done. But if your overall goal, if what you're thinking of through that whole thing is, well, I'm going to I'm going to just try and develop my relationship with this person have my love for this person increase and also have my love for God increase as well, then you're going to deal, you're most likely going to deal with that in a better way. Also, same thing with whenever criticism goes towards us. See, a lot of times when we encounter information, we immediately go to a, like, 
either we build a wall or we get the, a guilty feeling. But if we have the right focus, we have a focus to improve and to develop our relationship with the Lord, we're more tend going to feel convicted. And there's a difference between guilt and conviction. A guilt is concentrated towards the person, saying, hey, you know, you're a bad person because you did this. Where other conviction concentrates on the, act, on the action. You know, you're, you're a bad person, but everyone's a bad person. And right now, you just need to fix this problem right now. And you just try and fix that problem. And with that, you'll be closer to Christ. You'll, and you'll love other people more. And see, if that's our goal, if that's our focus, beforehand, whenever we encounter information, that's going to be how we process it. Because, you know, if, if we feel guilty about something or if we put a wall up, if we get offended when someone tells us about something, really, that's, that's a prideful reaction. Because, well, haven't you known already that you're a, a person that makes mistakes? Isn't that, that person's telling you to do something isn't really new news? Or is it? Since you're trying to convince yourself that you're a good person. Secondly, so we have love as the goal, but also love is the motivation. We should be doing what we do because we love him and others. So this, this is the difference here. We have our first love was the goal. We want to increase our love for the Lord and for others. But also, we should be, we are doing these things. We're doing this. We're obeying the law because we love God and that we love other people. We do it because we want to, and we've developed this love with other people, and so we're glad to do this. So we have a motivation to do it. We have a motivation to, you know, because we love the person, but we're also pursuing to increase our love with that person or with God. We should be doing, we do because we love him and others. See, in Psalm uh, 73, verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God that I might declare all thy works. In Romans 13, 8 through 10, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So here, and like, you know, sometimes people have an issue with, you know, well, oh, I got to just, I got to follow these laws or else, like, I just got to, like, try and do my best I can as I follow all these laws. But remember, our focus, our goal is to increase our love for the Lord, become more holy, and to increase our love for other people. And out of that comes the fruit of following the law. And we are going to tend to do those things more. We should, we should still be aware of the law, you know, in case, like, you know, for example, a leaky roof. You know, when you, whenever you get a leaky roof, you're not, gonna, you're not necessarily going to patch up the roof first. You are going to put, a, like, a bucket under it or something. That's just a temporary problem. And a temporary problem or a temporary uh, solution will be, you know, just be conscious of the law. And when you feel like you don't want to do it, just do it anyway. That's your temporary solution. But really your ultimate goal should be to love the Lord and to love other people and just develop, develop your relationship with the Lord and become more like Christ. And that's when you're actually patching up the roof. And so you don't have to deal with putting the bucket, emptying out the bucket, whatever anymore. 
Let's turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 again, if we weren't there already. So my pages fell on my Bible. And this, uh, we're starting, we'll start off with verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. See, you can do, you can do all these incredible things. You can, you can move mountains just by your faith alone. You can have yourself burned. You can be willing to do that. But if you're not doing it out of love, really it's not, you know, in God's eyes, it's not really that, you know, it's not really that incredible. See, God doesn't need our service, right? He doesn't need what we do. He wants us to do them. And he's given us the great privilege to do, do things for him. And what ultimately what he wants is to have that relationship with us and to grow that relationship with us. God cares about the motivation behind what you do, but the motivation will also affect your action depending on how big your motivation or goal is. And see, if we go back to uh, you know, the lawn, lawn mowing illustration, you know, my goal, my motivation at that point, you know, lawn mowing at the estate, was to get the grass mowed and to get it done. But if I have a bigger goal, my bigger, bo- bigger goal, wow, uh, my bigger goal is to make the lawn look nice. That's a bigger goal. If my goal is to, for the estate to look nice, that's an even bigger goal. See, for example, so I'm, I'm mowing the lawn, and if it's just to mow the grass, I'll just mow the grass, and as long as the, mows the, gra- the lawn's mowed, it's good. But if my goal is to make the lawn look nice, I'm going to you know, do it in straight lines. I'm going to try and be careful about it. But if my goal is to make the estate look nice, if I'm mowing the lawn and if I see something on the ground, or if I see something next to the estate, I'll pick it up and I'll put it away or whatever. And I'll make, if I see something, I'll do something about it. And see, the larger my goal is, the more ahead my goal is, really the more I'm going to be able to do for Christ. And really what the biggest goal you can have is to just get closer to the Lord and to love God with everything you have. Because, you know, like it said, on above these laws hang all the law and prophets. All the law and prophets are connected to love the Lord with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if your focus, if your ultimate focus is that, not neglecting you know, what it all means, like, you know, like, you know, we have these laws, not neglecting those, but if your actual goal is to love the Lord and to love other people, then really you're going you're gonna to satisfy more the law that's in God's word. So we have the first two laws. Love, first is love is unachievable. Then law is the ultimate, love is the ultimate law. Thirdly, and lastly, love is unmatched for peace. In John 15, 10 verse, uh, John 15, verses 10 through 11, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. And I've said this verse before, and even as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So first we have another, for one, one example for peace, is peace and security. The only way to have confidence in your life 
is through Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, 17 through 18, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So we have this, you know, made perfect again, where, you know, God is giving us his love, but if really, we really don't take what we can from God's love, if we don't really develop our relationship with the Lord, we're going to tend to have fear. And see, if, if we're saved, we're going to heaven. But if we're not really taking the love of God, if we're not having that relationship with the Lord, that truth isn't going to be as real to you. Really, if you're concentrated, if you're focused on things that are temporary, you're not going to really think about the end result. You know, you're going to tend to think about, oh, well, what can I do to satisfy myself? What can I do to just get what I want? Rather, when you, when you develop your relationship with the Lord, you're going to think about God more. Just as if you, the more you talk with a person, the more you talk with your spouse, the more you have good times with your spouse and your children, the more you're going to think of that person, the more you're going to love that person. And the same is for Christ. The more you develop that relationship, the more you're going to think about Christ, and the more your perspective and more of what you do is going to be influenced by Christ when you develop your relationship with him. And we have Romans uh, chapter 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, if that verse doesn't like tickle something in you in your you know, spiritual heart, you probably don't grasp the love of God enough. And of course, I don't either. You know, it would, you know, it would influence me more if I knew more about God's love. If I really, because this is, this is saying a lot. You know, God's love, you know, you have an infinite, all-powerful God that loves us unconditionally. How amazing is that? And really, if, if, you, if your relationship with the Lord isn't really, you know, that steady, if it's really not, if your pursuit isn't to love God more and to be closer with God, that's not going to influence you as much. And it doesn't matter how many times you read the verse, because the truth is still the same, right? And we're, we haven't, we've never reached a point in Christianity where we're like, oh, now I'm great with the Lord. Because we're, we're, never, we're never great with the Lord here on earth. Because we're sinful and really, are, we have a sinful and horrible nature compared to the Lord. You know, the saying goes, you know, the more you learn, the more you know what you don't know. That makes sense. And something along those lines. So the more you grow your relationship with the Lord, the more you realize that you really don't have a good relationship with the Lord. There's really more you could be doing to love God more. We've never, there's no, there's no point where we've reached, there's no point where, oh, I'm great right here. There's, there has to be a, a continual process, a continual pursuing of loving God more and loving others more because we can always have that. God will always love you no matter what. So he is the one you can absolutely trust that will love you all the time unconditionally. If you are not receiving God's love, it's because you are not taking it. See, God's love is so powerful. It's, you know, it, nothing can separate us from the love of God because he's an all-powerful God. But if you're not getting it, that's because you're not taking it. God gives us a free will, people. So we have peace and security, but then we have peace and fulfillment. Dedicating your love to Jesus is the only way to live a happy and fulfilling life, not living the way you please. 
In Romans 6, uh, yeah, let's turn to Romans 6, verses 15 through 21. And I'm, uh, I got this idea from uh, a message that the pastor from uh, my internship did, so I don't take the full credit of it. I did use a different passage, but... Um, it's Romans uh, chapter 6, 15 through 21. We're just going to, yeah, we'll start off at 16. Or sorry, 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey? So basically he's saying, if you're living for sin, you're a servant to sin. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye who have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So you guys were learned, you guys used to be servants of sin. You guys used to be really, you, before you were saved, you really had nothing but to serve sin. You had no chance. But thankful to God that you can serve Christ have obedience unto righteousness and from, from the doctrine that you learned, you know, the gospel is doctrine. You know, you're saved from the gospel. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the servants of righteousness. Oh, sorry. Because of the affirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants of righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. And see, we're talking about this, you know, free, being free and being a servant. You know, a lot of people have the idea of, well, what freedom means is I do what I want. But that's, not what, that's actually not what freedom is. Freedom is not doing what you want to do. Freedom is doing what you're meant to do. Because really, logically, you'll never be what you believe is free from anything. You'll always have a motivation for something. You'll always be in control by something, some desire, some like sinful nature, or Christ. See, being a servant of Christ is the way to be free from sin. You know, you can't serve two masters, but you can't serve no masters either. You always have something that you're influenced by, whether it's yourself or maybe another person, which is, you know, which is okay, but you know, it's certainly not Christ. For when ye were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. See, I, was, I had the privilege of, you know, growing up in a Christian home. But, you know, many of you who really didn't have that privilege and great opportunity, you guys, you guys have lived, you guys perhaps have lived a pretty deep sinful lifestyle. And got you, I'm sure you guys regret those. And thank the Lord that that's all under the blood, that you really don't have to account that anymore. But so many times we get caught up in the idea Oh, I just want to do what I want to do now, though. Sure, I'm free. Sure, I'm you know free from the penalty of sin. But I actually, I just want to do what I want to do. But guys, the end of sin is death. You don't want that. You don't want to be a servant 
of sin. You want to be a servant of Christ because really that's what makes you free, is doing what you're meant to do. Here, let's go uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 again. 1 Corinthians 13. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Guys, isn't this the lifestyle you want to live? Don't you want to develop your relationship with the Lord and really satisfy more and more of this criteria as you grow closer to the Lord? You're really only going to achieve that by growing your relationship with the Lord. You're not going to do it yourself. Really, it's got to be your focus, your, your motivation and your goal. And really, you have to know that really it's the only way to live a fulfilling and happy life is if you're guided by God's love. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, gracious and Father, I uh, thank you uh, for this opportunity I have to preach your word here today, Lord. Um, I just pray that, um, that we won't just uh, be hearers of the word, but that we'll be doers as well. That we'll just take this and we'll practice it and we'll bring it to you, Lord. And uh, we'll just work at it with you, Lord, and just pursue more and more of how we can just be closer to you and just, uh, just keep going at it. Because our race doesn't end until we get to heaven, Lord. So I just pray that we continue going and that we just uh, be encouraged to uh, live for you. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.